Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, hi, everybody, and, and welcome to the Sunday edition of the This is Ibrooks podcast. I'm joined by Gav. How you doing, Gav? Very well. Thank you. Hair standing up on my arms now after listening to Lundstrom and uh, Joe Rebo's goal again. <laughs> it's so good. It's just, I know we always run, or I always run a wee minute or two late, but I, I just, I can't fight, bring it in myself to cut that <laughs> short. It's just it's so good. Um, and Saftar, how are you doing? I think that's the first time I've been in a pod with you. It's a pleasure. Indeed, yeah, yeah, good to good, good to be on, uh, Kyle, with you and, and Gavin. Yeah, it should be fun. Fun hour. Yes, it's going to be a good one tonight as per. But uh, look, I just need to, a wee word from our, our sponsors at Zenith Coins before we start. You would think I would know this off by heart by now, but uh, no, I need to read it again. Um, just today, today is brought to you in association with our friends over at Zenith Coins who are giving every Rangers fan the opportunity to own their memorable coin collection zenith have created a set of five wonderfully crafted coins each celebrating huge milestones in the club's 150 year history there's a coin for the founding fathers ibrick stadium uh, the european cup winners cup squad of barcelona bears in 1972 nine in a row and the 55th league title championship win under stephen gerrard visit their website now at all the w's and zenithcoins.com um, I got a bollock in a few weeks ago for mentioning the C-word, but we're well and truly into December now, so that would make uh, a good present for any of the Rangers dads out there watching. Um, look, we've, we've got a great pod um, on today's uh, show. Despite there being, I've tried to look this up, there's been no game that um, St Mirren game was three week, over three weeks ago now. What a distant memory that is. Um, but there's plenty to talk about in the, in the wonderful world of Rangers. Um, we'll be talking about the, the feel-good factor around the, the club at the moment with the new manager. We'd love to get the guys' thoughts on them, seeing as they haven't been on and, and talking about them yet. Um, discussion on how the squad will look, and that's the youth players, some of the some of the existing squad, some of the guys that Bill has worked with, some of the guys that he hasn't worked with. Um, look at the, the finances available um, for Bill in January. Um, the questionnaire that, that went out to, to the to the Broomland front um, and the Rangers AGM on Tuesday, which I'm sure will be a, a, an eventful um, outing for all in attendance. But uh, look, Gav, I'll come to you first on this. Um, 
as everybody knows that if, if they're watching this and they've seen me on this before, I always like to do a wee on this day. Um, I'll get it in quickly that you're the, the only person that's ever brought a, a proper on this day, so hats <laughs> off to you for that one. Um, but on this day, in 1993, Gordon Jury scores his first goal for Rangers after signing from Spurs for $1.2 million. I must admit, I didn't know it was actually that much. Um, it was a 2-0 win <laughs> uh, v Motherwell. And in that season, he scored 13 goals in 29 games. The Rangers won the League Cup, and that was six of nine titles. What's your What's your thoughts on an old jukebox here, Gavin? Uh, uh... Well, Jury was a sort of player that when we first signed him, it was, oh, he's just going to run about, do loads of because that's what Jury was known for, just being a, a proper athlete. But see, when you look at a modern striker nowadays, the guys that play up front on their own, you're looking guys that can score goals, give you numbers guys that are physical, guys that can hold the ball up. I mean, Jury sometimes could have games where his touch wasn't the best, but he's almost exactly the sort of player that we need now as like a, a support striker or another option. And, that, and that's what the role that Jury did perfectly because we had Haitley, McCoyst, Loudrup, um, we had other guys as well during the same sort of time, but those were the main three. And then Jury's support and role to them was fantastic because he, he did a lot of the other running that the other guys couldn't do. On his day, as it was on the Loudrup Cup final, he could get hard yeah. I mean, there was a lot of days where it looked like he was never going to score, no matter how many chances he had. But Judy did give us give us numbers every season, and it's uh, he, he was valuable for money. It's just a shame we didn't get him in a little bit earlier, um, yeah. because I think it would have been even more useful, certainly sort of, sort of season before, when it was sort of 92, 93 season. I think that would have been handy having him in that year, because we, we missed, certainly in the Champions League, were sort of bare bones a couple of times with Haley being suspended and McCoy missed a lot of those games as well. So it would have been handy having Jury, but he's um we've got a lot of a lot of miles out of Jury, put put it that way. Yeah, that's it exactly. Just on a I didn't get to see his, the best of his, his playing days, but on a on a personal note, he was the first Rangers player that I can ever remember meeting outside in, in the wild. I mean I think I must have been about seven or eight and it was at the Asda at Tory yeah. Glen. And I just remember my dad being like I scored in jury, didn't know who at the time didn't know who he was, and he was like played for Rangers. That's all I needed to know. And in my head, he was like about ten foot ten, and yeah. there you go. So um, and look um, look, Saftar, we've got got another one for you. Um, on this day in two thousand two, Shota scored a hat trick, um, and a Barry Ferguson free kick where Rangers defeated Livingston four three at Ibrox, and that kind of dispels the myth that Livingston have only recently become difficult um to, to beat. Um, but Rangers that year won a domestic treble with the league being won, as we all know, with a plus one goal difference. Um, De Boer and Ferguson finished that season with 16 goals each. Do you think it'll be um, a, a long while till we see a, a midfielder that, that's in the, the top of the goal scoring charts after? Uh, I would think so, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> was that the one where we won the league um, at Ibrox against the Femlin? Oh, yes. <laughs> was that the Aterta penalty? Yes. Yeah, I remember watching that game at a wedding in uh, Renfrewshire. Um, I was at a wedding, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. I remember watching that game as opposed to, um, um, you know, concentrating on the wedding and the food and whatnot, as one does. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll be a long time. I think I think Rangers have missed that kind of quality in midfield, whether, whether it's scoring goals, creating chances, uh, being more aggressive. I mean... We hark back to that era, don't we? You know, you know, you know the the kind of nineties because we had quality players. We just mentioned Gordon Jury coming yeah. from Spurs, 
um, to, to join us. I mean, it's very rare that we would get the top EPL teams now. We're get, getting players from from that kind of kind of those kind of teams now. Come to Rangers and and Gordon Jury, Shota, um, you know Barry Ferguson. I'm old enough to remember his brother Derek Ferguson, who's also a cracking midfielder as well. Uh, during um, Sunis's time, albeit Sunis didn't like him at <clears throat> some points, but eventually he 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 was a really really solid milf, midfielder for us um, during that time as well. Yeah, just. I'm just shocked there. I never knew that Barry Ferguson had a brother, eh? I'm far too young to remember him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Right, look, listen. He's got, he's got a nephew as well. He had Barry Ferguson's brother. It's only a matter of time before we're linked to him, by the way. Oh, 100%. Listen, that's something we might come on to in the podcast is maybe not... Some you know, I've seen some supporters turning their nose up at guys like Ferguson and, and, uh, and Aaron Hickey over at Bologna, but... I think they must be worth some series dollar now, but uh, look, we'll 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 leave that we'll leave that for 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 later on. Um, look, Saftar, I'll come to you next on on the next point here. Um, I'm sure you're you're dying to talk about it. It's a really really straightforward question to start off. And what's your what's your thoughts and opinions on on Michael Beale being unveiled as as the 18th manager of Rangers Football Club? Yeah, um, I mean overall, I'm um, positive. When I was last on the pod, obviously. Um, we hadn't sacked Gio yet, or Gio hadn't left uh, by mutual consent or whatever. Um, but certainly Michael Beale was obviously obviously rumoured in social media uh, and amongst the fan base. And I think, as we all know, there's no such thing as a guaranteed appointment, managerial appointment. You know, you know, they're all a risk. Whether it's you know elite managers, elite coaches, or people that have been successful in the past, doesn't necessarily mean it'll work. In the future, certainly, certainly at Rangers, where it's very high pressure, you have to win every match uh, and do well consistently. But Michael Beale, as we all know, he knows Rangers well. He's part of 55, so he knows what success looks like. What yeah. a, a, an aggressive, goal-scoring, uh, uh, well, well-functioning team looks like. So, so that's a positive. And also, from what I know of him, he seems to be a very intelligent coach as well. Obviously, he's been round. Whether that was at Rangers, Liverpool, uh, obviously he's done a he's done a year at Villa, roughly, and then then he's he's been at Queens Park, Rangers, um, and, and albeit for for a short period of time, he he's he's actively coached in in Latin America, so he's generally got a lot of intelligence behind him, and I, and I hope and again fifty five kind of demonstrated it, he'll have flexibility to change formation, bring in youngsters. I'm sure we'll discuss that. Bring in um, players from his experience that that he knows, whether it's in, in the upcoming window, whether it's from the the, the, the English league, uh, Premier League, or, or, or where Queens Park Rangers were playing, um, and he knows a lot of the players as well, so he knows what works, what makes them tick. So overall, a relatively kind of risk-free appointment by the board. You know, they kind of know him. They know we you know what we're kind of getting. We hope. Um, and I'm positive uh, whether it's enough to catch up and, and win the league. L- l- let's be certain, and you know it's, it's going to be a big ask. But certainly, um, I'm positive going into uh, the second half of the of the season uh, in Touchwood. Yeah, I think we're all in complete agreement with you there. I think there's he's got a big job in his hands, and and again, something we'll come we'll come back to um, later on. But he certainly made it a bit. Um, 
or the board have made it a bit easier on themselves for the AGM getting rid of Geo and and finally biting the bullet and making a decision. Um, Gav, I, I'm keen just to get your. Th- it's just a very very open question. Uh, what's your thoughts? Are you happy with Michael Beale? Was he your first choice? Uh, I thought for a start, I think the last time I was on, I didn't think the board were going to suck. I, I was just after one of the games that we dropped points, one of the three games, and I didn't think the board were going to get rid of him. I generally didn't. Even with the nine points, I didn't think they were going to get rid of him. So first of all, that didn't catch me by surprise, but certainly a week later after it, I was a wee bit um, sort of shocked. But then for me, it was more about type of manager. My, my biggest concern about Beal was going to be the, sort of, uh, the flashbacks to the, the season where we played Kilmarnock and Aberdeen 15 times and we didn't actually look like beating them once out of the 15 times. And it was horrendous to watch as well. And um, but, but since then, obviously, it's, my opinions have changed because of who else was available and what Beal said in terms of there's been other interviews that I've watched since before he actually took, took the Rangers job talking about so his preference in terms of playing with just one defensive midfielder because if you play with two, it restricts the number of forward players you can have. Yeah. Um, also, what he said, and we all know that Beal can talk a good game, so... Um, Put that to to side. He does say what people want to hear. Um, But he's also said very positive things in terms of how he envisages a Rangers team playing and how he wants us to play. And and for me, that that was the most most important thing. And if we're getting rid of Van Bronckhorst was, well, we need to now consider style of play in terms of domestic football. But we know that Beal can deliver in terms of European football because... How we've been set up before and organised to play European football is almost textbook. So mm-hmm. it looks like we've got a coach rather than a manager, but it looks like we've got a coach that is going to be versatile enough to adapt both styles of play rather than Van Bronckhorst, who seems to seem to have a sort of pragmatic approach that suited European football other than this year's Champions League. But we all know the different variables that affected that. But couldn't adapt to playing away from home domestically. Ibrox form under Giro was fine, but the results away from home were horrendous over the last years, and that's ultimately what cost us last season in the league, mainly individual mistakes, but hopefully Beal's the right person that can actually get get that going again. But realistically, who can who can get a song out of Sands and King at the back and Arfield and Davis in midfield? It's That's a factor as well, so hopefully Beal can get the big hitters back and have more options in terms of flexibility in midfield towards his game plan. Um, because I don't think if the first game starts with Lundstrom and Stephen Davis and Scott Arfield in midfield, we're going to be seeing much different to what we've seen already. Yeah. No, that's it exactly. Um, I'll I'll stick with you, Gav, on, on this one, seeing as you're talking about, about the current squad and stuff like that. But it's just... Something that I, I, I've been finding when I've been talking to a lot of people and I've, and I've found it myself, I know we referenced it a, a wee bit in the podcast on Wednesday, was it's just uh, there seems to be a bit more more of a buzz about the place and, and I'm trying to figure out if it's down to you know the fact that it's Beal or is it we just got that under any manager, but the open training video that, that I'm sure everybody's seen on, on YouTube, which is which is available through the official club channels, it's, it's a fantastic watch. Gav, what... What did you think of that? To me, it seemed a bit more competitive than what it's been rather than trying to do that. You know, the, the game that, that, that they played, it was the 20 touches round about. Oh, three teams. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's, a bit more yeah, competitive. 
Yeah, I think we so historically anyway under sort of Beal and Jared, they played a lot of sort of short, small sided games um for sort of possession work. Um whereas I think from what we've read, Van Broker's played more sort of structured possession drills. But in terms of like I mean I, I always watch your training videos anyway, but I didn't see any differences in, in terms of sort of enjoyment or the players sort of seeming to enjoy themselves when they're training because the videos always seem to be cut to a certain way that um, the players seem to enjoy themselves working around you and, and seem to have a good relationship with the players as well. So it's, um, I don't know think it was so much that, but everybody certainly playing football when a new manager comes in, if you're doing different drills and it does give the place a lift and it's the one thing everybody, all the ex-players and the players that have played so under Beal to talk about is the quality of his coaching. And if you're the crux of your job as a professional footballer is to be is being on the training field, not the 90 minutes on a Saturday, it's the Monday yeah. to Friday on the training ground. So if you're enjoying yourself there, you're going to be a happier and technically more productive um, employee because that's that's what they are. Eh? So if they're enjoying themselves uh, Monday to Friday, they're more likely to be um, in a better place come the Saturday. Well, fingers crossed anyway. Yeah, that's that. And and Saftar, do you do you feel similar to to Gav there in terms of in terms of watching the the training videos? Because something that um that I've seen or or heard in the videos, I should say, is it's this repeated phrase, and it, I keep hearing the, the coaches staff saying it, and it's closer together, closer together. So do you think that's a wee sort of insight in the way that we're we're going to be playing in terms of this sort of quick passing it about and and being a bit more direct under Bill? I hope so, but as we know, time will tell. Um, it's, he's more or less got the same players that we had uh, three weeks ago, and uh, the players will 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 win win matches or not. So time will tell uh, on the field. And I, I just hope, if you think about it logically, for me anyway, when Gerard left uh, last last uh, November, you do think when he left, you think, oh, was Bill? Did we miss a trick not getting Bill then? Um, you know, he was inexperienced, he's never managed then. Obviously, he was then at Villa and Coupier, so we kind of got him a year after perhaps a lot of the fans wanted him potentially. Yeah. Uh, so that, 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 that's positive, albeit we've had that great, um, you know, the Euro run and, and, and whatnot. Um, that clouded some of the judgment around Gio because clearly Gio did well, uh, uh last season in, in Europe, even more recently in the Champions League qualifiers. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really basing it too much on the training video uh, or what I saw, because uh, uh, you know I, I want to see more attacking football, more aggression, more, more clearly, more balls in the box or certainly uh, touches in the box to 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 try and score and clearly more of a kind of defensive solid lineup. I get we've got all these injuries and hopefully that'll be a positive as well for for Beal as some of these players come back in. He knows them well as well. Uh, uh, the ones that have been out injured. And they can again play to e formation or formations. As I said, he's a very intelligent co- coach. He's written manuals and books, I think, on coaching yeah. and tactics and whatnot. So he knows his stuff inside out. He's relatively young as well in his early 40s. So, uh, and again, I think he's studied a lot of the, the leading elite coaches or managers of this era. And I'm sure he's studying a lot of what's going on in the World Cup as well uh, as we speak. Um, so, positive long term and short term, he'll give the place a boost, the players a boost. And again, I'm sure we'll touch on it in in in, in the coming minutes. Uh, he needs backing. He needs backing to get his ideas across, because um, he's inheriting a quite a lackluster, aging, 
um, sometimes demotivated squad for many reasons. So he needs backing to change that around. Yeah, there's a. I'm going to stick with you in this one, Saftar. Seen as where we will come on to the backing and the finances in particular, but I've just noticed a couple of comments here. One from uh, Graham Brown. He says, "Do you guys agree that Michael Beale may need three years to sort this mess out?" Um, I've seen Posit Bear as well saying, "Never going to get two, three transfer windows. He's zero time to get this um, right." Um, and Paul McGarrigle here says, "Posit, he will get this window and at least the summer." Do you think? Similar to that, Saftar, do you think he, he will be given time? Um, and how long do you think he'll be given? <clears throat> Again, I thought that about Gio as well. I thought Gio would be yeah. given time because clearly, as I said, he did well last last uh, season, uh, you know, the Europa League final uh, and even in the league. We weren't that far away. Uh, as Gav said, we dropped silly points. Otherwise, we would have been there or thereabouts. Uh, and the old firm matches, we let ourselves down. Um I hope he's given time. Um, it's not like Rangers to sack managers and let them go every year. I don't like that turnover in itself. Um, um, you know, that was one of my issues around Gio. Maybe he should have been given time, but clearly he didn't. I hope he's given time. He needs time because uh, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, we might get a bit of momentum uh, post-Christmas into the new year. Winning the Old Firm, the New Year's match, uh, uh, will hopefully give us momentum going into that. Uh, and if he gets some decent players, during that time period, but he needs to be given time, and I kind of agree. It might not. It might take a year, two years project to try and get this right. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, he's got to be given at least two two transfer windows. I think to to see if he can sort it out. But then again, I think I think that's what Gio got. Um, so, but as as Rangers, we have standards. Um, speaking of standards, Gav, the next question that I'll come to you on, um, seeing as. In our group chat, you certainly seem to be the most vocal, I think, about a lot of our, our youth players. You seem to have your, your uh, eye on the pulse when it comes to stuff like this. So something, again, that came up in Wednesday's pod that I wasn't um, planning on asking, but there was so many comments about people feeling that we're going to integrate um, members of the development squad. I'm looking at guys like Lowry, um, McCann, Divine Ewer. I know they were already maybe in and about it, but do you think that they'll get more first-team um, opportunities, Gav, and the one player in particular was 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 Zach Lovelace, and I, I just think he. I know it's training, and I know I wouldn't be supporting Rangers if I never didn't think we were going to <laughs> win a treble based on a five minute training video. But um, do you think we'll see guys like this this in the squad, Gav? Uh, it's funny. I think Lowry more so because of the way when you hear what Beal was saying in terms of style of play. And he was talking about sort of the one defensive midfielder. And when you look at the midfielders we've got, um, for all that, there's there's none of them are really your sort of stereotypical six foot tall, like tackle everything, head everything, and, and play simple five yard passes. Um, they're all variations of the sort of modern defensive midfielder. So Kamara, Lundstrom, Davis, Jack, um, they're all the sort of player that will play behind the ball and don't really <laughs> want to run past it and make runs. Like pass the ball. So if, if we're only playing with with one of those midfielders, we then have to have two, and that's regardless of whether it's a um, four two three one four three three whatever it is, we're going to have to have two number eights at least. Um, and we look at the squads straight away. Lawrence is injured, Hadji's injured, so that leaves us Tillman, Arfields, and Lowry. And Lowry's fit now. Lowry would have played this season if he'd been fit. I mean, that's mm. I think that's a guarantee that. 
Lowry would have played almost as many minutes as, as King, given the injuries that we had. Um, and he's certainly, he's just the one player that is forward passing is instantly what we need rather than somebody checking back and not having the commit, commitment to play that pass. And not, it's that mentality of not being bothered if it doesn't come off. Because you see that quite a lot with the team we've got just now. It's that those boys will try and play a couple of passes and then they don't don't want to take that risk because they can hear the crowd. Whereas mm-hmm. likes of Lowry and those guys, they're not bothered because they know that the one time it does come off, they're a hero. Um, and they'll also be quite happy to, to sort of shoot in terms of, sort of the other young boys. Charlie McCann's exactly the same. Um, I don't know if you saw in the training videos, it, it kind of went under the radar a wee bit. He, his dribbling ability... Um, is underrated, and again, if you watch some of the B team highlights as well, his ability to play sort of an eight, eight, ten role, his ability on the ball to sort of dribble and beat the first player. So again, if your opposition teams are either pressing high, having players like Kamara who are press resistant, so boys like McCann who can beat the first boy is useful, but then also playing against a low block, having somebody that can receive the ball and beat the first man, or again likes to pick pick passes. Um, so I would like to see them whether or not we do I think Lowry more likely than, than McCann I think McCann probably is the sort of player that when you look at Beal and Gerrard's history in terms of developing midfielders McCann is certainly somebody I, I would think they could get Beal could get a hold of and, and improve Robbie Ewer uh, I think I'm one of the founding members of the Robbie Ewer fan club I, I yeah. generally think he's great for the well so after I was old enough to remember Robert Flack if you can remember Derek Ferguson and I think Robbie Ewer is probably the first one since then. I've generally thought he could become a first-team forward. And that doesn't mean playing 45, 50, 60 games a season, scoring 30 goals. But when you look at how he plays in terms of his flexibility of being able to hold the ball up, finishing with both feet, his ability in there, I mean, he's sort of six foot two plus, his ability in there. Physically, for an 18-year-old, he's in great condition already. He's only going to get better in terms of that. So compare him to a lot of the young players that have had, say like Sakai Kennedy or Josh McPake recently that have, that have tore it up at that level and they've looked amazing, but they've been a standard at that level. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Dapo Mabudi as well, that, that sort of boy, whereas Robbie Ewer's kind of been not quite under the radar, but uh, look at Rory Wilson that went down at Villa, he's not really been sort of held in the same regard. But straight away his physicality and, and his flexibility and his ability to be that sort of lone striker suits the modern game more than say like Tony Weston that got what, 40 goals last season yeah. it, it's that you have to have that a very specific type of style of play as a forward to, to make it at Rangers and I think there's certainly no reason why can he's got three years until he's until he's 21 that's a, that's a lot of time in terms of development if we handle it, it right and that I've said this before, I don't think he should be getting sent out on loan to have long balls smacked at him in the Championship. I think he should be staying staying with us, playing against good defenders and, and getting coached off the best coaches and, and playing alongside good international strikers. That, that'll that help his game more than, than going out on loan and playing 40 games in the Championship. Yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of people in the comments are in agreement with you there, Gav. You know, I think Lowry's everybody's sort of favourite choice for, for featuring a wee bit more, but I think there's a lot of people backing you in terms of, of your being being another one to watch out for. You know, he's what is he eighteen and he's already got his first senior goal for Rangers anyway. And it was it was a decent goal as well. Was it in that Queen of the South game I think it was? So uh, um, 
there we go. But uh, Curry Munchard just raises a wee point here. He says it will all depend on where the team are in the league. If it gets to the stage where the league is mathematically out of reach, then we could see them come in for more game time or cup games. Totally agree with you there, but it'd be nice to see some of the youth getting played. Um, Looks after the next um, discussion about, about the squad and and again, something we did go over a wee bit on Wednesday, but since then there's been, you know, the, the Blue Room press conference where, where Michael Beale specifically talked about about the two of them. And since then, I think um, Ross Wilson's been in, I'm not sure what paper it was, I think it was the Herald I took this from. Um, but uh, he's talked about, you know, players like Roof, Morelos, Kent, Kamara. Beale's talked about Kamara a lot. Morelos and Kent are the two that everybody else is talking about. Um, but I just thought it would be interesting to see Ross Wilson's comments on it. He says, two very, very different situations between the two of them. They are both private and personal situations, the two boys and their agents. So I won't get into any details, but they're two very, very different situations. Time will tell. I know it's very difficult to to read into to a quote as, as, as vague as that, but do, do you think that guys like Kent and, and Morelos have a, have a future at Rangers after? I wish they did, um, and I hope they do, but I, I highly doubt it. Um, maybe Kent, now that Beale is back. I, I suspect um, Morales, as you know, um, football, even the last two, three years, um, in terms of football agency, the way footballers now behave in terms of money has moved on. They run down the contracts. They get a very, very large um, signing on fee or lump sum when they sign a new contract. Uh, with a new club post running down their contract. And I think Morelos is doing that, as is uh, Kent, uh, waiting for their payday um, next summer, assuming they get one. Um, and I thought, to be fair, I thought the similar of that um, um, for other other um, Rangers players in the past, um, and it's not come to pass. So let's see. But I, I hope they do. I think the two great players, obviously, Kent, uh, both of them haven't had great form this year, hence the reason we're at where we're at. Um, they're great players on their day. They've got good value um, to Rangers as a team, the way we play, the shape. Um, at, at the same time, if they're really on their game, they're very, very strong, valuable players in the transfer market. But I suspect they're running down their contracts. And yeah, getting Michael Beale in will change that, to be honest. Oh, I see. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I, I agree with you on the Morelos one. I think he, he has trying to run down his contract and I think well maybe he's certainly the out of the two of them the more likely to be shifted in the summer. But I think with um with Ryan Kent, the fact that he alluded to that he had a, he's known him and his family since he was fourteen, that could be a total, total game changer. And if and Ryan Kent's performances certainly over the last few months, I don't think he's deserved a, a contract renewal, but you never yeah. know with 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 a guy like Beal coming in. But then the worry is, is that from January he's, he's free to sign a pre-contract with with whomever. And exactly. Yeah. So I was going to add as well. Um, I actually felt the same with Connor Golson. I thought he was he was going to, you know, sign a pre-contract or go. But as we know, look what happened in June. He signed a, a four-year deal. I think it was. So let's see. Yeah. We never know. That's it, exactly. And again, just got to take my hats off to one of the best ever PR posts by Rangers because I think every Rangers fan looked at that and said, that's Goldson away and then finished it. But uh, glad he's here to stay. Look, um, the next point, uh, I'll come on to you, Gav. Um, we uh, talked about the uh, the coaching squad that, that Beal had already brought in, guys like uh, Neil Banfield, who's been confirmed as the assistant manager, Damien Matthew, 
and Harry Watling. Um, but Rangers have, uh, and I'd love to see the amount of staff that we've taken from Liverpool in the last five years. Um, <laughs> as, as another one here, we've taken Dr. Jack Addy, who joins as head of performance. Um, down in Liverpool, he was head of elite fitness development and the under-21s fitness coach. Um, something, do you think this is something that needed to be done, is, is, is bringing a new fitness coach? Because the injury record this season has been atrocious and, and ultimately, will this, will this change anything? I think the thing with this is that I'd be very surprised if he actually does any specific hands-on coaching and instructing. He's, he's replaced Jordan Milson, which we didn't do, and this is why I couldn't understand. So with Ross Wilson as the sporting director, I don't think it should be down to the manager to bring in somebody as a head of performance. That should be a position that is the manager's come and go and, and that position stays because that's basically the person that's overall responsible for the programme design and implementation of all the individual and collective fitness training depending on what the manager wants on their sort of day-to-day sort of timetable sort of thing. Um, and the thing with him is that he's... he's Hugely experienced in terms of where he's been, where he's worked. Um, so, uh, in terms of academically as well, he's incredibly qualified. Uh, some he's actually there was a, a bit about I think it was two thousand nineteen. I could be wrong. FIFA produce something every year, and it's sort of like a best practice manual almost for if you want to do coaching for different types of tactics and mm-hmm. different philosophies. They have like the best sessions and input and um, sort of papers from different coaches, and he had stuff published in terms of for high intensity play and sort of high pressing teams. He had um, training sessions and sort of exercises for that type and style of play. So you don't get that sort of quality of work produced by the sort of the FIFA um, sort of best practice almost if you don't know what you're doing and aren't sort of at the, at the very and this one's for you, Shug, best in class. Um, so he he's he's basically up there as being one of the, one of the top boys. But we've already seen that it was when Milsom left, we didn't replace him. So we've we do have good practitioners in terms of sort of the fitness coaches and strength condition coaches. But my opinion has been it's how it's been managed from sort of on Bronco's level in terms of coping with the injuries, the intensity of the training, and then sort of how we're playing. So I used the example in the. The WhatsApp group about my car's capable of doing 150 miles an hour, but that doesn't mean that I drive at 150 miles an hour all the time. The players are capable of doing 12, 13, 14 kilometers a game every game, but at the moment they're not doing that because of the tactics that we've got. And I think Beal will be able to come in and it'll not be that hard an adaptation for them to adjust to that because they're physically capable of doing it. They've just not been being implemented in that, that that sort of style of play. So I think the new guy coming in is just going to sort of hopefully take us to the next level in terms of sort of making us even sharper. And um, again, just you have to have elite instructors at this sort of level to, to compete on all on all fronts in 60 games a season. You have to be the, the best there. Yeah, um, just looking at Curry Muncher's comment there, a few players think that they play for KFC instead of RFC. Don't 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 be telling Bisgrove that one, or or we'll be getting a, a KFC put in at Hockenheimy because every chance to to make a penny. But um, Saftar, look, I'll, I'll come to 
you know the same question for you because I think it's important because I see a lot of people talking about about the fitness and 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 I I certainly think there was a notable difference from when Gio came in and and, and sort of got his hands on the, the squad in the summer. I I don't think they looked as fit for one, um, but I've seen a few concerns <laughs> saying that Liverpool's uh, injury record this year isn't exactly isn't exactly brilliant there and. Um, and I've got to take my hats off to Gav because I could see him. He wanted to say Gag and Press, but he never said it. Um, so, so there we go. But um, yes, after, do you think this is um, is good? The fact that, that we've brought in a fitness coach and is it needed? And are, are you worried at all at the fact that he's from Liverpool or anything like that? No, I'm not. I'm not worried. I think it can only improve things. It can't get much worse, can it? Um, I'm just. Try- I mean, I'm not an expert in this world, you know, in terms of fitness and how it works, um, in, in 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 specifics, but. I don't know whether it's uh, something systematic in what Rangers have been doing over the last six months in the summer that we've had all these injuries or they just caught up as if it's just been random. We didn't get a lot of injuries in the last couple of years. They've all caught up with us, uh, you know, in the last few months and we just got to bear the pain. I don't know um, whether it's either or. Um, I hope it is something that's, uh, um, I hope it is random and we can get through that. Uh, but if it's something systematic, Bill will know. He knew what the setup was prior to to mm-hmm. the last twelve months and what was good, what good looks like, and um, and I'm sure he's committed to fixing that because obviously fitness and performance is a, is a key part of football. You need to be fit and, and performing uh, before you can even start kicking a ball. And it's been sad to see, um, you know, some of these players that have been playing that have been unfit or, or certainly, you know got putting a little bit of weight and not shifting it and this is from the summer and we're in november now nearly christmas time i've still not shifted the weight or whatever um, yeah. and I think maybe that's a lack of um lack of leadership coming from Joe and his team i don't know but again he, he had a good team around him david voss and others it wasn't that he he lacked experienced coaches or people that didn't know what they were talking about so i, I don't know i'm generally puzzled by all of this Yes, it's, it is interesting. I think it I think it fits into a lot of the conversation. And again, I've heard a lot of people talking about it. It was it, it, some of the standards slipped un, under Geo, which is crazy given that the guy played for us before. And and I think the fact that, you know, surely your teammates, like, I, I mean, I don't mean to be picking on Morello specifically, but he has been the one that has looked the most podgy, shall we say, for, for a while. But surely his teammates, should would you not be saying, like, come on, like, you need, if you want to be playing, you need to get into it. But... Anyway, that's a, another, another discussion for another time. Saftar, I'll, I'll stick with you in this one. I think this is something a, a, a bit more in your wheelhouse and something I'm really, really keen and, and looking forward to discussing with us. And it's just about the the potential finances that, that will be available to, to Bill in the January transfer window. Just generally, I, I'm just looking for a realistic view on, on how much you think that he will have to spend if you think that he will be backed by the board. A couple of things, you know, just to say, I think from the Kieran Maguire podcast that, that Tommy did, um, if you know, guys haven't seen that yet that are watching, you can go and check that out. I'm sure that's pinned in our, in our YouTube channel. Um, but he said that the, the way the Patterson deal was structured, that we should be expecting £3 million circa January time. And it looks like also we'll, we will be getting about um, £200,000 from from from. Borna Barisic should just been at the World Cup, which might have an interesting effect in Scottish football. I think there, there's a few um, 
representatives in the World Cup that play for Scottish teams, so that so that might have an effect. But um, yeah, what what do you think about the finances that will be available to to Beale in January, Safa? Um, um, I'm pretty sure Beale would have would have signed or signed up if he wasn't given assurances that look, you're going to get backed, you're going to have money in January and next summer. We know that the things are a bit of a mess in terms of the playing squad and whatnot. Um, so we're going to give you money. I, I, and I hope that's the case that he is backed to do that. In terms of money, quantum, I'm sure we'll touch on it, but Rangers clearly had a good year last year in yeah. terms of revenue uh, coming through the door, breaking even, loans being paid back to directors and whatnot. Uh, clearly, that that was good. The the Europa League run made that possible. The Champions League um, qualification this year. Uh, made it possible as well that this year should again be a record revenue year despite the fact that we didn't do at all well in the Champions League. Uh, enough, let's not talk about that however yeah. um, but in saying that so in terms of numbers I'm hoping he's given anything between 10 million, 12 million, that's kind of numbers to spend um, on players or buy-in players uh, or on free transfers, free agents to for their salaries and whatnot. And maybe shift a few as well that that we don't need. So yeah, I mean that that sounds plausible, reasonable, and expected in the context of e Rangers having to improve from where they're at, and where we're at in terms of revenue. You know, eighty million, ninety million. What we should be spending based on other clubs of similar size in terms of revenue or spending in the transfer market. And I think ten million to spend in Jan. Sounds about reasonable, and I would kind of expect that one player, three players, I don't know. Only Michael and his team will know. But that that's the kind of quantum I'm hoping, looking for. Yeah, but, well, I think everybody watching now definitely knows which bit of this podcast is getting clipped for 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 going out on it. Um, I hope it's ten million quid. That that seems very good to me. But then then again, you know, if 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 it is that amount of money, I can totally see. Um, the board getting asked why was that amount of money not available to to Gio in the in the previous transfer window and why didn't we spend that when we were, when we were in the Champions League and wanted to have again it? again Kyle sorry just to add to that again right. yeah I don't know that's what puzzles me when as you as we all know it's a very very popular um, statement what what Gio said after qualifying for the Champions League and we had a week's window to buy some players before it ended at the end of August, and we didn't do that. And that was a massive mistake, and that's on the board. Um, yeah. And we wouldn't be maybe where we're at now if, if that had happened in that week. Uh, but, yeah, we need to spend money. Um, 10 million doesn't sound unreasonable to 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 do so, to get us out of some of this space. And you've got to remember as well, guys, winning the Scottish League this year gives us automatic Champions League qualification. So it's a big price for winning it. Yeah. I, again, a big ask, but not with, despite that. Uh, there's a big prize at the end of that. That's it. Here's uh, here's hoping Bill Ball gets us the league and into the automatic uh, qualification for the Champions League. I'll I'll await my text message from, <laughs> from that on. <laughs> um, look, Gavin, just something here. A, a wee comment from Curry Muncher. I just want to bring up. Um, seeing as we referenced him earlier on, it says, "What do you think about Borna Barisic getting a game for Croatia tomorrow? I think it looks like he will be starting, given that the the left back whose name escapes me at the moment, um, so, so. he's yeah he's injured at the moment. Um, is that another potential way of 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 bringing income in in the January transfer window? I mean, he's Curry Manchester here possibly saying selling selling Barisic 
again, a, a criticism that I've levelled at Ross Wilson is, is not cashing in on guys when they've been at their peak value. Um, I know it's a bit of an aside, but what, what do you think about something like this, Gav? It's, it's, it's a decent point because somebody like Barisic, for the right sort of manager, will have value because we know what Borna's good at. He, he, even this season, his, his crossing has still been it's been pretty good this movie. We've been putting a lot of crosses in, so he's got enough practice. But um, if you'd seen some of the English media this week, they've actually they've cottoned on to who Bonabarsic's dad is. So we yeah. just, need get, just need to get him involved in the negotiations. So yeah. <laughs> anybody's interested, get Borna's dad in. Right. How much do you want in for him? Well, we'll give you two million. Borna's dad comes in, it's 10 million or nothing. Right. That'll do. And then we're, we're sorted. That's all. You get Borna's dad in. Get get Ross Wilson out. Get Borna's dad in. That's all. That, and then we'll, we'll and, get. And you, need, and you need to take Eros Gresda as well. <laughs> <laughs> a bit high, but it's, it, I think because we've got we've got Ridvan there, who's I, I think he's going to be class for us. I think um, it's, it's such a shame he got injured because he, he was starting to look really really sharp and um, he got man of the match against Aberdeen for his first ten minutes alone, sort of thing. But um, Borna's probably at that age now where. If we sold them, you'd probably get what we paid from maybe a wee bit more because he is still a creation international and you're going to get another three, four years out of him because he's he's an incredible athlete when you look at him physically. Um, and like I said, style of play, it's there, there will be clubs that will look at that and, and Croatia do still play, still put a... Because the guy that's been playing at left-back puts a lot, got a lot of crosses in as well. So um, if, if Borna comes in and does well, Croatia could go another, another few games. So... Um, it certainly wouldn't do any harm anyway in terms of being able to sell if again somebody has to offer it, that's it's it's one of those things where like the Kent and Morales as well we see sort of Ross Wilson getting a hard time for, for not selling them but mm-hmm. realistically we had one offer that we rejected from Morales before um, 55 and we had one from Kent after 55 and that was acknowledged as being about £10 million from Leeds which by the time we add in the, the 40% sell to Liverpool, it doesn't really give us much in, in terms of making money back on Kent, who after we won the league was flying high and we were all thinking, well, that's his that's his level now, sort of 15 goals and 15 assists is, is what mm. we're looking at every season. And I think we, we gambled on them signing new contracts and um, Gerard leaves and then that's the rest history sort of thing. So... I think it's easy to look back on things with 2020 hindsight in terms of selling players at, at their peak value because if we'd sold Morales and Kent after winning the league, folk would have said that we're taking a step backwards. We should be moving on. We should be keeping our best players and buying yeah. buying new players. So it's there's two ways to look at that. I know that that's you two made some quite sensible points tonight. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I, I think I'm going to do the Sunday podcast more often because there's far too much sense in this podcast. But um, look, I'll, I'll stick with you, Gav. This is the last question before I want to get into the, the sort of AGM stuff. And maybe this ties in with some of the AGM stuff as well. But I'm sure we've all seen the news that I saw on the, the broom loan front. Um, they were pushing this with a, with a questionnaire um, that apparently got delivered to or sent out to people that sit in, in, down in the broom loan front. Um, and they were uh, asking about the move for the Union Bears from BF1 to BF3, which would situate them behind the goals. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll nail my colours to the mask straight away. I think this would be a fantastic move. I, I love the Union Bears at games. I think they, they do build an atmosphere up when when you know sometimes it isn't there or whatever. But And, and the fact that you can hear them just singing throughout the game, I, th- I think they're 
brilliant for a football club. What's, what's your thoughts on it? Would you give these guys a chance to move? I think it's it's one of those sort of emotional things where it's because it doesn't affect me personally in terms of I, I don't sit there. I don't sit in those seats that people might get moved. But the grand scheme of things, how far would they be getting moved if they were getting moved? Um, so it's not like they'd be getting moved from that stand into the main stand into the club deck or something like that. So um, in terms of the atmosphere, I think it would be the right thing to do. But it's just that who whose decision is it? Is it the club's decision or would it have to take everybody that that's getting sort of dislodged and, and moved somewhere else? Would it be down to them yeah. to decide? And if there's a majority, then that decision's taken out of their hands, sort of thing. Um, technically, they're all Rangers supporters, so anything that can benefit the club, you would like to think they'd be in favour of. Um, yeah. So, well, uh, I think it's one that'll there'll be people that won't be happy, but I think the majority would rather see them see them there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think so. It's it's a it's an unfortunate case of you know a few having to suffer for I think I think the many, but we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens from that, and I'll, and I'll sure it'll be brought up at the AGM. Um, Saftar, this is the thing that I think a lot of people have seen a lot of comments about this AGM <laughs> already. Um, I'm uh, you know dying to know it's on the the sixth of December at the auditorium, I believe. I'm sure all shareholders will have had their, their notices about it, and, and they've already accepted um, or sent out whether or not they're attending. Um, it's really simple. How how do you think this AGM will will go? Um, I, I, the word toxic I, I heard being mentioned a, a lot before Geo was let go, but they seem to have certainly bought themselves a wee bit of time, a wee bit of leeway, maybe. Um, for for the fact they've brought Michael Beal in, but there's a couple of things in particular. This um, elite um, lawsuit that seemed to come out of nowhere. I'm sure there'll be questions about that. How much they can see on it, I'm not sure. Um, and the Sydney Super Cup. Um, how do you foresee this this AGM going, Safta? I think uh, uh, so. An AGM just to, just for people that maybe aren't aware, an AGM typically is quite formal. I you elect the board of directors again for the next year. In terms of the shareholders, you you elect them yes or no. If you have a majority, you 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 re-elect you know, the marketing director, the the CEO and whatnot. So it's fairly formal in that respect. But there'll be time for Q and A. There'll be time for people to raise their points as shareholders, as you have a right to do so, because you're technically a, a part owner of the of the club. Um, and I'm hoping that the, the the supporters and fans that that go and tend and make their voice heard, because obviously there's accountability here that needs to be done. Um, whether that's around the transfer market or lack of what's happened, we've just discussed um, this season, despite having. You know the Europa League run, a final, despite the Champions League qualification, despite the good results that now we've seen. Why, why haven't we spent more to accumulate, kind of, um, in that respect? At the same time, um, what we're we doing going forward? Okay, we've got uh, Michael, Michael Beale. That that may, as you say, Kyle, um, calm people down somewhat. Otherwise, it would have got yeah. very toxic. Um, but at the end of the day, what's going on? There's rumours about you know people interested in, in Rangers to invest into. Is that why um, money's been held back not in, in the transfer window? To try and, for want of a better word, tidy up the business, make it more sellable or investable for clients uh, or, or potential investors. So again, that's that's interesting. And how are we going to grow from, from here? 
we've got our act together commercially. We've got our act together um, in terms of the, the the business, but certainly in the football front, we're we're struggling, uh, and we have done this year. We won fifty five, but even prior to that, as we all know, we struggled in the league somewhat. But and, and as we know, as Rangers, we need to be consistent in the league year mm -hmm. in year out. And um, so I think there'll be those kind of questions. They may well be questioned around some of the directors. Have they overstayed their welcome? It was good to change. Yeah. There's a lot of talent out there, whether it's in the football world or the business world, that people can take advantage of. Some of these guys have been in the job a long time um, as well. So there may well be questions uh, around that, um, among others, um, no doubt. Uh, you know, where that's the civil facilities, um, uh, uh, you know, to go, go to just to go to one example, even upgrading the stadium, more seats at the corners, there's so yeah. much demand, as we know. Look at look what happened in the, the Europa, Europa games and, and whatnot, you know, there's so much demand for, for those those tickets. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so there'll be a lot going on um, in that respect. Uh, the board have been a bit passive as well, and they've not really been speaking much about that. Uh, there's been no lead, leadership in my eyes, to be honest with you, uh, around what's more recently and also over over the summer. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what 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 they how they spin it or how they communicate it to to the shareholders, to the supporters, to those questions that are rightly raised around that. Um, in that respect. Yeah, there's a uh, Paul McGarrigal's letting us know his, his feelings on it, saying he feels there better be a big police presence as, as long as as long as there's no sharks. I think we'll be all right there, Paul. Um, but look, Gav, I, I level the same question at you. Um, you know, obviously Saftar's given us a great insight there into into you know what we could be asking at the AGM. How 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 do you think this AGM will go, given? What's, I think it's, it's built up the last few months. There's been a real lot of not not hatred, but but not disdain. Would that be the right word to to use in this instance towards yeah. the board, especially with? I mean, there was one thing there. I think it was TRM. Give me two ticks, and I'll see if I can find this comment. Is this one here? It's our own board colluded in price fixing against the fans. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is unforgivable, and if yeah. there's any members of the current board that were they were on that were part of that they should not be there they should be removed immediately because that is just unacceptable i know i've asked you a real a real difficult one here um but how do you think this agm will go in in particular with what trm said there yeah i think the guys most likely to get it could be the chairman um obviously the board in general for not back in Geo after qualifying for the Champions League. I think that's when we all knew what we, what we did. I still think that, that Davis and Arfield had contracts extended as a sort of a safety net almost in case we didn't qualify for, for the Champions League or whatever. Um, but we, we all know, we knew then that the money was going to be there. We had Arbo and Bassi were both sold this year. So that been this year's or next year's financial um Account. So we already know for this next financial year that we're in, we're in decent standing. So there's there's question it asked in terms of what are the chairman's plans with regards to the the, sort of, the rumored investment that we've seen. And as after I was saying, it is that the sort of reason why Geo wasn't back to the levels that we maybe thought he, he could have been. Um, so are they, as you said, tidying the books up or protecting themselves, and or did they have doubts about Geo earlier on and were thinking, well, we don't really want to spend more money at him in case we need to get rid of them later on sort of thing with ross ross wilson it's a bit more um sub subjective in terms of how well 
you think money's been spent. For me, Ben Davis and Ridvan, I think they're going to be class players. I think they'll they'll be good for us for the next three, four years. Um, Ridvan, if he stays that long. Um, Tom Lawrence, I think, is going to be the class. But again, the, the recurring theme there is all three of them got injured. How much could Van Bronckhorst do about that? Very little. How much could the board do about that? Or Ross Wilson do about that? Again, very little. Because none of them had what you class as worrying medical histories. But yeah. Ross Wilson does seem to be the one that's that's getting it more than than most in terms of sort of social media. Um, again, it's he was speaking this week about his mandate when he first arrived. I still think his mandate when he first arrived was to improve the squad, which he did. So when you look at the quality of the bench, the year that we won the league, when our backups became John McLaughlin and Liam Balligan in terms of at the back. So Balligan was cover, covering for Hollander instead of Katic and Edmondson. Straight away, he was an, up, an upgrade. John yeah. McLaughlin, when McGregor was injured, whether you think he's good enough to be number one, some, well, more than most, probably not. But as a backup, he was outstanding for us. I mean, his first 30-odd games barely put a foot wrong. Um, part of the clean sheet record, stuff like that. And then there's like, obviously, players like Lundstrom that Wilson brought in. And um, I think it's that's more subjective. And I think it'll be depend on who asks the question and who who gets the right to ask the question, whether or not they think Ross Wilson's done a good job or done a bad job. But the players that we've got just now, I think it's it's complicated in terms of the, the players that might be leaving with their contracts ended at the end of the season. And obviously the veterans, my opinion last year was McGregor Davis and Arfield shouldn't have been shouldn't have had their contracts extended. Um so that's my biggest thing on him. Same with signing John Souter. We know what John Souter can do and he did played thirty five games last season, but we don't we didn't know how bad the sort of the tidy up operation he was he had last year for Hearts and that he was still going to be carrying that when he came for us. And we didn't also know how bad Philip Hollander was, which we yeah. now know. So you're like, <laughs> why, would you, why would you sign a player who was potentially, who John Suter was a gamble, we know that, knowing that Philip Hollander is all but done, you'd be thinking, right, well, we could go out and sign a more reliable quality centre-half, either on a pre-contract or a free or for low value who's going to be able to contribute so you don't end up having to play two midfielders in a Scottish Premiership game as your two centre-halves, which is what which is what we had to do recently. And that's yeah. without, without going down the, oh, we should have signed Liam Balligan route. I just think we should have signed somebody else with hindsight other than, than John Suter. So I think those are probably the biggest questions from my, my side for mm-hmm. um, Ross Wilson, but I still think he's got more wrong than right. And I think this season in particular, the, the players that we have signed have been just be hugely unlucky because I think they are they are good players. Yeah. So so basically from that, what I'm gathering is that your question to to the board would be is why didn't we sign Harry Suter? Who's been pretty <laughs> well, good. In, in fairness, I'm surprised we didn't because he's still recovering from ACL surgery in the summer. <laughs> so I'm surprised we did. Surprised we didn't sign him in the summer. Yeah, that that's that's very true. Um, Look, um, I, I realise what we've gone on for a bit here. We're round about the hour mark, but there's there, there's one name that, that keeps coming up, Saftar, and, I, and I'm really keen to get your thoughts on it. Um, here's the first one here. It's it's Kyle Fox. Um, you know, she seems to be uh, linked with us for, for the last wee while. Again, you'll know far more about this than I will. I believe she's a, is it, she uses investors' money to, 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 to... Basically, from what I know... Uh, Kyle, from what I know, um, 
again from just reading doing a bit of digging myself and and, and reading the press and whatnot she and her firm are basically they bring investors to she's like a broker okay uh, she's like an agent she just brings investors together to do a deal to whether it's to invest into rangers or any other sports business or whatnot and she'll get a cut for that for doing that she'll get a fee for that she might get some shares in that whatever so that's what she thinks so she probably has some investors behind her and it will not surprise me because there is a lot of us money going into football uh these days to give you a couple of examples, um, man, you're up for sale. They're US guys. Blazers want six billion for that. They might even get it. Um, Liverpool's up for sale. Fenway Sports want one four billion for Liverpool. Circa free four billion. Um, PSG, the the owners of PSG want to sell fifteen percent of PSG for about half a billion to some US guys. Again, they'll probably get that. So there's a lot of interesting um, noise news around elite football. Um, and they will not surprise me that the Rangers directors are having meetings with these kind of investors to say, like, you know, this is where we've got to uh, as, as, a, as a club. We need more investment. This is where we're at. We're valued at circa 100 million. We're undervalued as a football club relative to some of these elite clubs, however way you want to cut it. So mm-hmm. why don't you get, get yourself a bargain and give us some money and we'll give you some shares. Um, and there's a lot of money flying about. And as I said, football, because the media, this World Cup will have only increased interest. You know, it's in Qatar, Middle East. These guys are flown full of money all the time, oil, gas, whatever. Um, whether it's Kyle Fox or some other entity, I don't know. Again, I hope people ask the question at the AGM, what is going on? Are you guys having talks? They can't tell us, but tell us your vision for the next two years. Are you guys going to be the same guys that invest in? Or we, you're the stakeholders or gatekeepers, or do we see new faces in the board and elsewhere? And I'd like to see the latter, because I think my view is that this board and these investors, however good they've been uh, as Rangers men, as investors, and getting us out of the mess as we know over the last ten years, maybe there's only a limit to what they can do. And Rangers do need fresh investment externally to get to that next level, where that's actually doing well in the Champions League. Or, 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 or I'm qualifying out of it, or being consistent in the Europa League, or whatever that is. Yeah. So, and I'll I'll finish the question in the podcast with this question to you, Saftar. So, say say you're on that Rangers board, and I don't want to say somebody like Kyle Fox or somebody like Kyle Fox, not Kyle Fox in particular, because I'm I'm looking at the comments, and there seems to be a lot of you know she's involved in a lot of these you know the cryptocurrencies, and we all know how how the deal went with, with Sportmongo and and how yeah, yeah that, that's a, a literal stain in the back of our, a lot of our shirts now. But say say you're sitting on the board, and and a, and a US sort of investment fund like this is coming along. Do you think that that is a would be wise for and for Rangers to to take something like that on to? As you said, take this squad to the next level. Do you think it's inevitable? Well, let's take her to one side. But if a genuine pro bono, pro bono US private equity investor investors come to Rangers, which they will be doing, it'd be wise e to speak to them, um, in a genuine dialogue, and it'll be really sensible of them to be looking at Rangers because, as I say, Rangers is an undervalued football club. However, when you look at it, again, we can talk about this at another time. And I, if I was, I'd be happy to take that money on. Yes, I would want to do that. Yeah, yeah whether it's 10%, 20%, 25% or whatever. I think that would, we need that kind of investment 
to take us to to a next level. Otherwise, we'll be talking about this next year. Yeah, that that's that's dead interesting. I I, I wasn't sure what, what you were going to say, but like the more yeah. I've heard, heard you speaking about it on on tonight's show and in previous podcasts, I, I think there's a bit of inevitability about it that at some point we are going to have to accept the fact that we will need you know external investment from from one of these sources uh sure. there's almost sounding like i know what i'm talking about there saftar but like on, on that note um i just want to say thank you to everybody that's been been joining it's uh, been really good to interact with everybody again and, and the questions have been fantastic um but yeah everybody take care the next show will be out on wednesday afternoon at about seven o'clock and then we'll have the the sunday one um again at eight o'clock but uh, take care everybody and thank you for viewing and now just talk for two seconds while i find this outro video but thanks everybody